Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Happy New Year. We can say that the month of January, right? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And what a year. It, it's happy. It just depends on what side of judgment you're on. I realize that that kind of thing is always, it's a great day. It's a great day for somebody. It's a terrible day for somebody else. But for the righteous, it's always a great day in Jesus. Is that what we say? Because it is true. Uh, we have so many things rolling out here in the Dr. Paul Price universe, and it really is a universe, and we know because when people get inside of it, they're like, there's a lot going on here. So I want to encourage you, if you are new to the Dr. Paul Price world, then you can visit www.drpaulaaprice.com. That information will come up on your screen. That is her home-based website. That is the hub website that will take you to all of the other things that she offers, assessments, our church, products, uh, advisements, you name it, we can probably help you do it or find someone who does. And so welcome aboard. Share this broadcast. Whatever God is going to say today, I'm going to start with this early. It just seems like it's going to be that kind of day. Anybody think that? It's, there, there's an excitement in the air. There's a charge in the air. There's a something in the air. The studio audience is rolling in, and everybody's coming in like, I'm not missing it. Whatever's happening today, we're coming in. We're coming in hot. We're coming in strong. Or whatever the look is. <laughs> we don't want to miss it. <laughs> and, you know, I love having the Holy Ghost on the inside of you because it's kind of like everybody shows up, and you're like, why are you here? I don't know. I just... I need to be here. God said to be here. I just, or you had an ownership, you had a feeling, you're doing something. We're telling you to be. And, and you show up to see, I am I'm going to the street called Straight. Yes. Where? 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 And so, yes, somebody said expectations. Uh, yes, yes, Linda. I do have on yellow today. <laughs> yes, it is a yellow kind of day. Good morning from Texas. All right, Mama Cena, good morning from Texas. Blessings to you all who are tuning in. Again, hello, Shay. Shay's saying hello online. Shay is here with us <laughs> in the studio. But she's saying, she's saying hi to you. <laughs> okay, she said hi, family, but she's here with us in the studio. That is hilarious. <gasps> I tell you what, God is geared up. He's not even just gearing up. He is geared up. And for those who are on the Lord's side, you're like, this is about to be a showdown. We're about to show down, show out, throw down. We're in the throw down piece of scripture. Then we're uprooting, we're tearing down, we're pulling down, we're throwing down, we're stomping down, we're kicking down. We're just adding to that, okay? And we are, and that that's it. That's where he is right now in pulling down the stronghold, pulling down the, the uh, you know, the veil of deception, pulling it down, stripping it down. And just like in anything, when the truth comes out, you will always have loyalists to the lie. Always. You, I don't, I don't know if we've ever seen anything where there has been a hundred percent agreement with the truth. I mean, even in heaven. <laughs> okay, 
Even in heaven, Lucifer, he, he had an agreement problem with the truth. He tried to rewrite the truth and create his own truth and then recruit people to buy into his truth. And sometimes people think that if they have large numbers behind the lie, that it's somehow going to make it true. And God let that thing get to the point of war in heaven before he dealt with it because it had to be exposed, not just who Lucifer really was, but who everybody else was. Who everybody else was. And you can tell we don't know our words at all, the piece that we read. Man, I was in 2 Corinthians again, and I was like, that's New Testament. 2 Corinthians 10, 9, 10, 11, that thing will hurt more than your feelings. And I, I, see, that's why they said, okay, don't, don't read the Old Testament. Well, then too much of the new is actually pulling forward the old. Oh, that would be the whole thing. And so then we just whittled it down and whittled it down. And it's just the Gospels, okay? And it's really breaking it down to the gospel Because, no, faith doesn't want you in the rest of that book. And in all of the ways we know the word has been mishandled throughout all the generations, it still works Satan behind Messed over by man, it still brings him under. That's how you know the word of God is not bound to us. It's not bound by us. It, he said there, there is a code in the word of God that overrides humanity. It overrides error. There is something in that word. Because when we were watching, you know, all the, the real conspiracies and the real things that have happened against the word of God, not just the theory, like the real conspiracies against the word of God, and with all of that, you cannot stop. You can't. They try and bury it. You can't. You try and, uh, you know, ride people out of You can't. You go in and try to write a false gospel, and you have people who really don't know, don't want the truth, because people who really want to know Christ still say, right? <laughs> and that might be all you have to go on. And that little tilting of the head begins a journey to find the truth. And he said, well, what do you think about Lucifer's message? Uh, and now, you know, the people who can't hear, oh, it was awesome, it was great. You're like, all right, thank you, bye. Because, <laughs> you know, you didn't hear what I did. You, you hear what I hear. You didn't hear what I heard, okay? <laughs> and so you go to somebody else, what did you think about that message? Well, okay, let's talk. Because so you hear the hesitation. You hear the, there was, I don't know, it, it, uh, it wasn't just that, that error. It wasn't, uh, and then that begins the journey. I don't know about anybody else. That's how my journey began with, there's just something missing. I don't know what it is. And, and I'll know it when I find it, even though I don't know what it is. And so when I met Dr. Bryce, I was like, ooh, that's it. And I don't know what she just said. But I know that's it. So she said, at all. <laughs> I couldn't tell you three things that she said in this message. I can go to the, okay, this is the scripture we came out of. She said, Philippians. Now, I actually have this passage highlighted in my Bible, but I didn't get any of that out of what she just said. How is John 3.16, which is highlighted, underlined, I'm, I know I was able to quote that, four years old. Um, what? That's the issue? Huh? The whole paradigm just falling. You can hear your paradigm crashing and burning like uh, like a wrecking ball has gone to everything. No, but that's right, though. That's, that's right. And 
coffee, caffeine drink this morning is very necessary in my day. When you get put on a water diet, you're like, oh. you should drink water. It's safe water. You wait, drink water. You want your skin to look good, drink water. I'm a singer. I should drink water. I definitely start drinking water on Saturday if I haven't done well the rest of the week because I have to sing on Sunday. And it's going to crash and crash 
and crash. So we're going to see how many times it's like when your computer goes down and it has to reboot. That thing will take you to a place. And you find out just how safe you are when things like that happen. And so with him, you don't know. And so you meet somebody who knows your friends better than you. And you didn't even know there were other ways to know them. And that's how I felt when it came to ministry. I was like, I knew there was more to the Lord. But I didn't know that was it. And I thought, I think I need to reevaluate. I think I reevaluate. Like, I didn't get saved every week kind of thing. I was never really that person in general. I thought either salvation was going to stick or not. But then when I met Dr. Price, I thought, but am I actually saved? <laughs> like, if what happened if, 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 with the story that I've been sticking to, <laughs> is, that actually, is that actually the right one? Did you start reading passages about uh, the false Christ and false? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Do you love the Lord? Uh huh. Do you know him? Oh. I need to ask him, do you know me? Can I see my name in your book? What page am I on? Can I get a number? What number am I? <laughs> and it's not until you get into a place that is explaining the fullness of who God is that then you begin to evaluate. I, I remember being at ORU, and, of course, we had a, a very strong college uh, congregation, and especially because we were right across the street from the university, so those of us without college could walk to church. And uh, there were some colleges who would never come to our church. I am not coming to that church. Well, why not? Because that lady, that lady, that lady is going to read my mail. I said, I hate to tell you, she can read your mail from here. <laughs> she actually talked to us about you last week, and all we mentioned was your name. She's never met you, what she said. Well, you come and find out. <laughs> that lady can read your mail. Yes, she can. Uh, full, full package. <laughs> and whenever you come into that sort of thing, you are challenged. So this word isn't hard because it's hard. It's, it's challenging because it is pure. And it's, and it's always challenging because it's challenging your flesh. It's challenging your will. It's pushing back on your reactions. It's causing it to question, why do you? Did God really do that? Is that Satan asking you that? Or is that God saying, you have heard it said what I say? So you have to know, is it Satan trying to seduce you out of what God said? Or is it God challenging? Now, when you've been around the Lord long enough, you know that's his enemy talking. But you have to bathe your brain and your mind in the word of God for you to differentiate the counterfeit from the truth, the spirit of what some people are saying. You're like, mm, mm-mm. We have people in this ministry who have made vows. Oh, my God. I mean, just. Hey, I'm on a broadcast, guys. Thank you. <laughs> I'm broadcasting. <laughs> And and so you you don't realize that that's what's hitting you. So you have to tell the right testimony. The right testimony. Oh, that's just so hard. It's just it's just so true. Like when you go holistic, you see how my face is just looking like that. When you go holistic in everything, you're like, what kind of sugar? Can I have? You don't you don't ever start with your. Oh, and look, this is trying to connect. 
I most certainly can and am. I am telling you what to do. How can you tell somebody you can't tell me what to do when they are telling you what to do? And that's how we do with Christ. That's how we do with these high-level leaders who know their role in Jesus. And, you know, I, my hot button, I went off on this yesterday for a hot minute about the, the cult accusation. Do your homework on what a cult is. In the body of Christ, we're going to sling that term on anything that is clear in its definition and unapologetic. I mean, that's really what we do. <clears throat> and anything tied to, um, I'm not even going to say rules because all of these ministries are tied to rules. The rule that you're going to come in your wrist clothes, that's a hard, hard line rule. It's just one you like. One that says we're casual, your pastor's going to wear big cakes on the stage, these white sneakers and the hoodie and just be all cool. That's a rule. That's the rule. They changed the rules. You know, you go back and look at how these ministers started. They started looking like ministers of the gospel. They now look like they just came off of the basketball court to preach to the world. Okay? But you like that rule. So when you don't like the rules is when you sling cult, when you sling legalism, when it's something you don't like. So when the rule is show all your tasks, get a thousand more, we have a parlor on the side of the church. You can get your scripture tatted on your body. You like that rule. So the rule that says not here, not so, not ever, not apologizing, that's legalism because you don't like it. We all live by rules. We are all legalistic. We are all ritualistic. We ritualistically, please, take a shower. We ritualistically, please, put on deodorant, okay? You don't have to wear cologne, perfume, whatever. Some people, I wish they wouldn't with the overkill of that, but that's fine. We ritualistically get our hair done. We ritualistically go. There are people who religiously go to the club every Friday and Saturday. It's religion to them. There's a whole culture of worship. I know people who have second jobs to facilitate their habits and party life. Well, my primary job is to pay my bills, be responsible, and have savings. My second job is so I can live like the devil and be shocked that I end up in hell. Because that's how we are. So we like rules as long as those rules accommodate what we like. Let us not kid ourselves. So when people throw that thing at you, you're like, oh, please, what are the rules that you live by? I don't live by rules. That's a rule. Actually, that's a rule. You do live by rules. Let me see. I'm looking at you right now. I can assess your rule is you wear shoes outside of the house. It's a rule. And it's also if you want to go into a lot of businesses, you're going to have on shoes because that's their rule. Oh, but you respect those rules because they have something you want or need or something you respect. And so you have to challenge people on this nonsense that has been run down our throats for who knows how long. So that you can, so that righteousness can prevail even in your thinking. That's not right thinking. Oh, that's right, because y'all have all those rules. You know what? They have rules at the church on the street, too, where you can come as you are and say as you are. That's a rule for them. Smoke machines, all that kind of stuff. That, they do that every week. That's, that's a, a legal thing they do, legalistically. It's ritualistic. So whether you're opting down for how low you can go, when you congregate with the body of Christ or how high you can go. We all have our standards and our belief systems. So please don't let people bully you in 2021 into thinking that because you want to go up and not down, that somehow their down isn't still a rule, a policy, and a procedure. I went into one of these old libertine churches 
somewhere in Tulsa, oh, election day, where we want to vote. I'm thinking, what was it? And it was this whole long thing. I mean, probably it's, well, I don't know if you can see this, but it's uh, one of these pop-up signs. And it was all the way down talking about who was welcome in their church. And it was everything from if you're gay, if you're straight, if you have tattoos. And it was very poetically written because I was standing in line because I got there early, so I had enough time to read it and before voting started. And it had everything in it, every piece of um, hot button, and it doesn't matter. We're a judge-free zone. It's what you believe. If you believe in one God, if you believe in many gods, if you believe in man and a woman, if you believe in same sex, if you do this, if you have no tattoos, if you have a lot of tattoos, if you whatever, whatever. But hey, there's a seat for you here. We love you, and, and on. And I'm reading this thing, thinking that's a lot of rules, a lot of standards. They're not godly, but hey. And I'm thinking, right, we really do want to push in our face if you represent holiness, that somehow you're doing something other, I mean, we're doing something other people are not. But we all have our beliefs. Don't be pushed and pumped and played in 2021 by people who want you to feel bad because these are the standards. We're living by the Lord's standards, the ones that are in the Word of God, this one, from the beginning to the end, because all that other stuff, that's not here. That's not here at all. He talks about how he wants to be approached. The, the word of God addresses how those who serve him must approach him. Very clear. Very clear. We're ta- Well, I mean, does the way you dress affect your anointing? We need to be talking about does it offend your God? Because, again, that's about us. Can I sing in jeans? Yeah, my voice still works. My diaphragm still works, technically. But... How does my God want to be served? I'm here as a servant, not a hobbyist, not just, you know, I'm just up here a public speaker. Just, see, that's the problem. We have a lot of public speakers in pulpit. Yeah. We don't have people on God's staff. Just because you're behind a pulpit doesn't mean that God is employing you. You could be naming his name. There are people who have come out of here talking about, I would Dr. Paula Price's ministry. And if they run across somebody who really knows, guess what? We get a phone call. So-and-so says they're with your ministry. Well, they visited like three times five years ago. Uh, They might watch online and see, but no, they're not on staff. They don't have authority. They're not represented. They're not backed by our institution. We have a lot of people behind pulpits who are not backed by heaven. It's easy to start a church just like it's easy to start any other business. You know some scripture? Some. Pick a version that doesn't even sound like it. That's great. Man, and please, don't have a talented praise and worship team. Woo! You must be God. Talented praise and worship, not called by God at all. Talented musicians who, who sing and play at the beginning of church. And then they fly out to the next thing or the other next project or whatever, hirelings. The church full of hirelings. The leader, he's here, he's there, he's whatever. Just, oh, you know, and I... Change the vision, change the plan, no longer doing what God calls, falling into culture. You, you see the trend. I've watched the trends, and I'm sure many of you have over the last 10 years for sure. These preachers, they hit a certain level, and then they, they, you could tell, Dr. Price always says they had the meeting. Somebody came, we know, because they visited us. They come, they show up, they tell you, if you change this, and if you change that, and if you change this and that, and it's all about bringing the devil in, oh, yeah. then we'll make you huge. 
and they put you on networks and they put you on their friends' TV shows and they do all these things and blow you up like flypaper. Boom. And you know what the message is? Oh, if I wear a hoodie and tennis shoes, I'm going to get big too. Who cares about God? Clearly. I mean, clearly that's what he's blessing, is he? Things that we're calling blessings are bought. That's not a blessing. That's actually bought. That's paid for. Somebody paid for that and continues to pay. We're seeing some of these long-time ministers in the kingdom, and you look up and you're like, oh, somebody has a meeting with you. You look like you're having an identity crisis all over the place. Why? Well, we need to bring in the young people, preach the truth. Preach the truth. Our church was full of college kids who wanted to know the truth. Some of them never changed their lifestyle, and I tell you, it's still in it now. But boy, they love the truth. But no, they don't come, or they only came when they were in trouble. But they knew that the truth would help them out. Even if they could only hang on for a semester. Bless it. And so it's the truth that is heavy. It's the truth. But it's the truth that will make you free. When I see people who don't want to hear the truth, it's people who don't want to be free. And I don't argue with you. I don't argue with these people who want to be bound by all these lies. What do you think? What do you? I'm not arguing with you. You just afraid to talk. Now you you should know that's not true. By now, you should know that's not true. No, 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 no. And so when you're pressing, and this word is working and worming its way through your soul and through your mind and through your body, and it's challenging what you thought was true, and make sure you're telling the right testimony. That error is being exposed. That darkness is being brought to light. And anything, anybody knows when you, you know, when we say we turn on the lights and all the roaches go running, everything just takes off under the light of day. Well, your soul is the same way. You turn that light on, whoop, whoop. Oh, no, I'm exposed. Devils don't want to go. Demons don't want to be cast out. You don't want to go to dry places. And, oh, come on. Everybody has an invested interest in you staying bound. The thing you're bound to, the system you're bound to, the devils you're hosting, the family line things that are just still happily residing in you. It's a lot at stake and a lot of work. So what we're going to do is uh, take a, just a quick commercial break here before we shift into Dr. Border Prize to tell you what else is happening in the kingdom. If you haven't seen already, and if you haven't seen it, you're going to see it right now. This week, yesterday, Dr. Price launched on the Charisma Podcast Network. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is a game changer. This is a game changer. And so we're going to take you to this quick promo. And um, do you have the one for the other network as well? Was that a – I don't know who played it. Oh, that was just the slides thing. Maybe you found that online. She got on. Okay. Well, we definitely have this promo for uh, Charisma Podcast Network by invitation only. An amazing, amazing opportunity to reach more of the world in in mass. Um, You're going to see Dr. Price featured in some things as well. More articles coming to the Charisma, the digital magazine online from the one and only Dr. Paul Price. Okay? And where, you know, she, when you're in your day, you can't miss. And so we'll be right back after this message.
You need to put something in it every day, whether it's going to the gym, changing your diet. Changing your diet does more for your body than working out. Because you can do all that working out, and if your diet isn't right, you see okay results. I had a friend, he worked out for years, and he was, he was in the gym when we were in college. And 15 years after that, he was still a gym guy. And he said, you know, I finally changed my diet. His wife started a whole new thing. And he said, you couldn't have told me that diet would have that much impact on the results of all of my effort in the gym. And so we want to do a lot of things in prayer, don't we? It's a drama thing. And then we want to do... And then we want to do a lot of things in worship. Hallelujah, Jesus. But we want to do everything but the Word. I'm about to get the hook. Especially, especially our male bias 
church and theology, they feel that if, because you're female, they don't even have to give you a courtesy of discretion wow. or oh tact or diplomacy. Oh because they because they have had too many pulpits tell them flat out, yeah. you shouldn't be there. Come on. Flat out, you're a Jezebel. Flat out, you are this or that. So that's number one. So, I mean, you know, I, I went over the thing with the young brother that told me that I wasn't a apostle, but he was never going to call me one. Mm-hmm. And so I had to introduce him to the spirit of an apostle. Mm-hmm. 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 I wish I had a camera. At the mantle of an apostle. Fantastic. So people feel okay doing that. Like people feel okay being abusive to prophets mm-hmm. because they've been theologically approved to right. abuse prophets. Mm-hmm. They feel okay with being disrespectful to you and contemptuous of you as a prophet. Mm. You know, get out of my face. I don't want to hear it because they feel they have been validated in that regard. So I say that because I'm prefacing my answer. But when they do, the first thing I realize is how much liberty you want to take right away. You don't know me. How are you pushing it on me? You know, I'm a street girl from Jersey. I'm telling you right now, we never trust anybody pushing in. I was like, no, no, but we don't know what you're going to bring in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So when they when, when we start at a point of pushing in and then we start the next thing is uh, this is who I am and this is why I'm in your life. So why am I in yours? Oh, okay. you know, if I came to your house or I came to your business, that's one thing. But you came to mine, and so I think that's another thing entirely. So when we have those, those are some of the subtleties, and then the other subtlety, the one that is really going to be telling is how much they want to disparage your existing team. See, I have leaders, but I have, but we're a team. I don't, I, I will not have anybody that can't think, work out an issue, work out a problem. What's the point? That's a problem. You know what I mean? Because there are people who don't like um, timeliness. There are people who don't like accuracy. There are people who don't like um, structure. There are people who don't like working with your team. Like people who want to bypass my team and just ignore it. Like I did not build this. I built the team that you want to jump over. Come on. I didn't build you. I didn't build you. I built the team that you want to bypass. Because in church environments, in church dogma, you don't have to respect hierarchy. Because it's, it's not God. It's not God. You don't have to respect structure. You don't have to respect order because it's not God. So we're dealing with the whole not God factor. So they come in with their little book called, this ain't God. So I, <laughs> so I ain't got it. This ain't God book. Okay? So I ain't got it. And so when I, when they do that, I mean, to me, I don't have to have confrontation. I just don't have to acknowledge right. what you think you brought to me because you disrespect who I am. Like, if I'm going to go in, I'm going to find out what you're like, you know. Well, what, what, how do you do this? And how do you, and these people never ask you how you do what you do. They don't care. Mm-hmm. They're there to let you know that how you do it is how they're going to replace it. Mm-hmm. Or why they're there to replace it. So I'm very concerned about I listen to that. And I, we don't have to have arguments. I just tell Ashley, that's not going to ever happen. You're right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's, that's not going to, no, I don't have any more time. Because if you, are, if you come on a pure motive, then you want to fit. Somehow you want to fit. You mean, I, I like diversity. I like difference. I like innovation. Yeah. Like I get a kick out of innovation. Some of the things you all come up with, I'm like, oh my God, that was, mm, that was good. I like that. But don't act as if 
and it, uh, what we've done before you got here was a flop. Right. And you're oh, there to pick us up. That's right. And that's, yeah. that's common in church. And you know why it's common? Because it's theology. It's theologized that church is inadequate. Church is inferior. Christianity is substandard. So I'm always pushing against that errant theology from lazy leaders. Because the lazy will always bring the bar down to their comfort. Mm. The industrious is always going to talk to you about the top. That's how you listen. I listen to leaders. I listen to conversations because I want to know. I want to know what this means. What does this look like? So when they start talking about, yeah, well, you know, you can do this, but you don't have to, and I wouldn't do it this way, and whatever. First of all, if you're brand new, you better be top of your game for me to care about how you do it. Because I'm comfortable with how I'm doing it. It took me 30 years to figure this out. Do you want me to wipe it out in 10 minutes? So I'm saying this because a lot of times we are victimized by, by theological leadership conditioning, both the leader and the follower. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people are not trying to be, you know, um, unpleasant. They're not trying to be uh, saboteurs or, or anything like that, insubordinate. They're actually thinking that theology rules your, your structure. Because if we say Christ, it is a foregone conclusion that all theologies move and reign because we use one word. But see, Jesus has seven churches. Seven. So you might be one of those seven that he gave me to deal with. He had 12 trumps. 12. And 12 apostles. So that is seven and seven. I mean, 12 and 12 was what? 24 plus seven. 31 slaves. (laughs) So we're not going to all be the same. And if you go to another city, you take time to learn the land, learn the lay of the land, and learn the people. We don't do that. When we come to church, we feel like we bring this automatic download from God on your church. And if it's not, then we're going to fix it. So, you know, first of all, I tell my people we're an embassy, so don't come here with that because I will tell you I am. It cleans your embassy. Because that's what the early church was. It was an embassy. It wasn't a congregation. It was an embassy. Heaven's embassy had descended to earth. The whole thing about Pentecost is that the Holy Ghost broke off a piece of heaven and sent it to earth. And since God is a living God and it is everything about him is people and beings, all of us were in it. So I'm an embassy. I'm not a church. So we're not doing dirty church stuff. We're not doing that. Now, but it took me a lot of years because when you're young, you so want to be liked. You so want to be accepted. You so want to be loved. You so want to be applauded. You sell out a lot of the stuff that you have yet to have developed and strengthened about yourself because you just want to be friends. Because what do we teach? What does culture teach? You've got to be liked in school. You've got to be liked at work. You've got to be liked everywhere you go. The neighbors must like you. You must be likable. First of all, no, let me tell you, Jesus has two, two, two extreme emotions, love and hate. People were not passive. Like me, passive. People did not like Jesus because he was a man of principles and he was a man of such solidarity. They had to do something with him. And following him in the neutral file did not work. That's why he said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Not if you like me. Mm-hmm. If you like me, you're going to dismiss me. 
because life is synonymous with casual and superficial. That should tell us when we look at social media. But anyway, the people were never indifferent about Jesus Christ. They were errant. They were angry. They were even rude. But the one thing they did, they respected him. That's why they killed him. Because they saw their replacement in him. They knew that the the author had come to teach the book. See, I'm a writer. And I'll tell you, as a writer, I listen to people teach my book, and you know I have a ton of them out there, and and, and more in here. And I listen to, that's the next thing they tell me, who is, how they teach my work. Because nobody, believe me, nobody wants, forgive me guys, nobody wants a person who's going to say, she wrote it like this, he wrote it like that, but this is how I see it. Then you should have wrote a book. You should have wrote your own book. But if you're going to be in my class with my audience, you're going to teach, because the book came from a vision. It came from a mission. It came from my commission. It came from my, my, um, my theology, philosophy, picket. So why? Because I'm, unlike many ministry leaders today, I started this out in 1985, and this was my, my mandate, well, my mission then, to give Jesus Christ a body of ministers that he can count on no matter what. See, most people give Jesus Christ a body so I can get some numbers in the seat. But see, numbers do not, as a matter of fact, the greatest things in the world were done by the smallest numbers, including the 12 apostles. One Moses and one Aaron, and Miriam came later. Most of us, our church is, the Christian church is so gender driven that you don't realize that Hosea 6 4 says that Miriam was the third leader in the kingdom. The third leader. I know most of you didn't know that. And Miriam, that's why God was harsh on her when she came against Moses. She wasn't just a younger sister cutting up. So we don't, we, we don't know that. So the first thing I deal with is how they react to my womanhood. Because the church is theologically primed, conditioned to disparage womanhood. Like if you go to a thing, it's like how many times you go to a church and they got six or seven men in there and maybe 12 women, nobody says, whoa, the brotherhood is there. They're representing that they're a man, sir. You go in that, that thing reverse and you say something about a bunch of women. That's conditioning. And yet you want the world to think we got it. We have the answer. They're like, but you all can't even be fair to all young men. Come on now. And they can say it. They say it all the time. Every time I come in, they ask me, which, you know, I guess I'm feeling crazy today. I had a, a wonderful time with the Lord this week. <laughs> I had a wonderful time with the Lord this week because, you know, I do have those moments where I hang with the honey man. And so they often ask me, well, where the men? I say, well, you tell me. If I'm true, I'm right, I'm God, this is the word, where the men? So what does that say about manhood? No truth, no right, no God word, if it's in the skirt. That's pathetic. 
to know that that's what heaven is saying. From there, an embarrassment to the Holy Ghost. Because God is telling you, the flesh goes back to the ground, yeah. and it's your soul that spends eternity with him. Yeah. And you think you're going to bring that bias in his world? I asked God, I said, so God, do they make it to heaven? He said, they make it, but they'll never see a seat of power. Not in my eternal world. He said, because they already told me they don't trust my judgment. They don't trust my choices. That's what I meant when I said how people deal with my leaders. You don't trust my choices, then you don't trust my judgment. And if you don't trust my judgment, then you're going to change it. And I'm not, I, don't, I don't put change agents in power in my organization. I don't need a change agent. I am a change agent. I'm here to change. And when you, and it's just even this, you know, when I talk strong like this, you know, come on, somebody. Come on. Yes, no. Come on. When you talk like this, the first thing they want to tell you is that you're a Jezebel. Yeah. Come on, the other. I said, I'm going to tell you that I know you're not a quality theologian because Jezebel was the queen of a nation. I'm being queenly. Is that what you're saying? I'm behaving queen like? <laughs> See, no, I'm not. I'm here to keep what Jesus starts from. And you know, Jesus, my honey. I'm telling anybody now, if you're going to mess with me and Jesus, we're going to have a problem. I'm going to tell you right now, because I know from when I came. I know from how he did it. But when I think about leadership and I'm starting, and I don't pay attention. I should pay. I won't say anything. I'll listen. And people make all of these comments. I watch how often you blow off my leaders. I watch how you circumvent them when I, when I send them to keep an order. That means you're going to disorder my house. Because you don't do that on your job, and if you do, they take you to HR. And they probably take you once or twice. I don't know how many times you got to visit HR before they give you the little box. Depends on how many places they can shuffle you. Exactly. And so I put you down. And then, I mean, and I have people that say to me, but I've been with you a long time, and whatever. Yeah, but you've been absent. You know, you have those absent members. You're, You're here when it's comfortable or when it's time to shine. Well, the worst thing you can do is assume that your leader is as ignorant as you think they are. People don't get to these levels without good balance. Go ahead. Uh-uh, don't care. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, don't care. Because you can't assume, when I was coming up as a leader, God would give me some of these one-liners, which is why I can give so many of them, because he gave me some. And one of the things he said, people don't get to the top without winning wars. And every promotion requires the warfare of the next position. Because where you want to occupy is where you're going to have to defend. So if you don't beat the battle that are already inherent in your place of promotion, your level of promotion, then guess what? You won't stay. So every level, you know, all of the warfare we've had, and God knows we've had some, but every one, God said, but if you, when you win a battle before promotion, you've unseated the person you are to replace. Because people in high seats are always fighting the one that's right under them. So you, we, we get to worry about the people down there, the pygmies back there. Why ain't they safe? You, bet, you need to understand to work with this person right now. These are leadership tips that you don't know. So when they come in, and people think that I'm just a charismatic speaker, that I am just, you know, I'm showtime. I am charismatic. I am impressive, magnetic, whatever, but I am me. This is the full package, and I'm telling you, I'm going to act like this. 
at home with my in my nightgown with my hair on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got the same person. I'm telling you, and I'm still gonna say, and I said, don't look at me, don't look at me out of uniform and think that I'm not in uniform. Yeah. I'm a living witness. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you, I'm gonna come down on you just as well in my little flimsy nightgown. Instinct. Right. So you become instinctual before you become intelligent. 
So most people, that's why the difference when we have the argument, born leader, trained leader. Born leader doesn't need intelligence to lead. Trained leader, leaders need the playbook. That's the difference between the two. So I'm, I'm like, you know, nine years old, and my mother's fighting for her life. I have to keep my family together, my brothers and sisters, and that's again. Is that me? And so we move into that, and then as you grow up, you continue to have to take weight, you know, over and over again. I get in God. I'm just, no, I'm free. First of all, I told God, I do not want to be a pastor because I don't want to take care of anything else again in my life. Now, I sent him a memo. I wrote him a letter. I issued him an edict. I want you to understand, I told him, declaration boldly, and he ignored me. Yeah. Yeah. So then when I tell the man, I'm going, because you, you can only amen when you've been with him. The people are able, un, un, unable to amen haven't been with him. So I told God, I'm not doing it. So I said, okay. So he started, you know, Jesus was the salesman par excellence. He shows you all the sugar side of serving him. Isn't it wonderful? The man shows you the the banqueting hall and the dinner and the woo, boy. And, and then you get in there and he says, yeah, but, oh, oh, did I mention that family line? <laughs> I forgot to tell you, know, Jeremiah's about to see the He said, did I mention that down the line? So I'm, I'm like, no, Jesus, you didn't. So now I went out, uh-uh, no back door. And he gave me a dream. I got on an elevator that had a, a, a door on the other side. When it closed, the door was gone. So you know that man. No way out. No way out. You're going to do this. So then I, I, I come from, you know, I'm coming from business background. Of course, America, when you at least got HR to say that there's, a, you know, some sort of bias going on. We, yeah, we don't have that in the church. There ain't no HR. So if they want to treat you like trash. You have nobody to appeal to but God. Now, everybody know God is spirit. It's going to take them a little while. <laughs> You're going to be 20 years from my own. Yeah, I'm going to vindicate you. Jesus, do you realize how long ago that was? Yeah. Meanwhile, you're watching them thrive or whatever. But so, I, I mean, the battles, I, mean, I, I remember, because I don't know who you are as a woman, and, and, I'm, and this is, I am not a feminist, because I'm going to tell you right now, God's a man. All God. All man, almighty, I am. God's a man. And I'm going to tell you why. I know God is a man because I'm going to tell you what. If he's a goddess, he's a dummy. Because eggs die and sperm is reproduced. So, I mean, just biologically stupid for him to make himself a sheep. That's biologically dumb. Come on. Yeah. See, when you really belong to God, you don't need to change him to find your place in him. See, that's the problem. They want to change him to find their cultural place in here. I don't have a cultural place. I am the offspring of the God here. I'm this woman, and I'm going to tell you right now, I like him being a God. There's some days he had some issues about him, but, but, the, but, but the, the side that we don't get is that God named his church after a woman. Bride of Christ, wife of Christ. Huh, okay, the church is a sheep. Because God's smart enough not to have other men that are going to rival on him throughout eternity. Wow. So, wow. <laughs> so I need you to recognize 
realize that there's a see, you like wisdom. See, I can defend this because I can defeat the foolishness. And if you can't defeat what you're getting ready to unseat, you are not ready to rise. So I spent a lot of years. So, you know, because I've had them, the witches that come to church talk about, well, you know, you can be a good folk, but I'm a, I am not a folk person. <laughs> I am Jesus' woman. And he is a male. Because who in the world would want to have to reproduce himself one egg at a time? That's just bad math. And I never did well in math. But I can put that together. So when you talk, now I'm saying this because there are a lot of us say, well, okay, then that means that if we if, if it's about us being big female, that's about us being feminine. No, female. Feminine is not in scripture. No, Nowhere. Female is. Yeah. And before it mattered, well, before it was man and wife, it was male and female. Generic gender. So I don't have all of those, those issues with Christ. I don't have those kind of identity issues. Well, you know, why does God hate women? No, why does men hate women? Because well, I'm still dealing with foolishness. I'm at this thing 38 years. I didn't wrote, what, it was a 60, 70 book? I've got classes, curriculum, manual all over, and are you going to stand here and tell me what? That's ridiculous. And it's a lousy message to send about the blood of the Lamb, to send about the cross. The man shed his blood to kill them because all of that was uh, was not only the third world. See, because a lot of these male doctors, third world. I mean, you're talking about the, your, your wife wants you to be her father. The devil is a liar. I don't want to sleep with my daddy. I want to sleep with my husband. Okay? And I need my man to need me to be a woman. And if you got a problem with that, then guess what? You are man in image only. Because every 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 strong man I ever met married a strong woman. You know why? Because weak women can't keep your stuff. Weak women are going to use your stuff. Oh, I got a gavel. If you got so so they got nothing they got nothing to lose or nothing to keep. You know, I say this because somebody needs to say it because we've been so running on theology, we forgot logic. And Jesus is the logo, the root of logic. It is so through the things that we say are illogical. Yeah. You know, you're going to sit there and act like you, Jesus Christ, you're not going to have a heart attack, you're not going to get sick, you're not going to have, have So now you got this useless, pretty little thing who's going to pick up somebody else to take your place because you can't do it. No. God said, help me and me for equal too. So that means that when you go down, baby, I got the rent, I got the house, I got the this, I'm keeping the kids, I'm able to do that. And you don't have to worry about working yourself into an early grade. Right. Where do we get that stupid? Illogical. That's stupid. Now, I'm going to tell you, some things don't bear out. They sound good in the pulpit, but they don't work in the theater of life. And that's what you must do. You must try every doctrine in the theater of life. Y'all still with me? I need you to understand that. Because when people say that, what what was the issue when we went overseas? All them countries are like, we sick of y'all talking about a prosperity message and all people trying to find seeds to put in the ground. And so now they're mad at us. They're mad at our government. They're mad at our preachers. They want to storm our churches because you preach the doctrine that works under the principalities of your land. 
not the principalities of mine. We must know the principality of a land and of a culture and of a people group. You must know them because they are the first identity that we're going to connect with. Is that right? So America, we have we, America, we have principality of prosperity. That's not what everybody has. Some, some people have principalities of judgment. We need to help them negotiate and navigate those judgments that are there for whatever sixth thing. I don't know if you're right, Dr. Christ. When God wanted Israel to get up out of his land, he changed the principalities. He said, I sent evil angels among you. I sent messengers and angels of destruction. Because God is a living God. He doesn't use things. He uses beings. We do things. So when we start thinking about how are you going to make a judgment, you mentioned about cult. I was like, prove that I'm a cult. Come on now. Oh, but you don't know your Bible enough to prove whether I am or not. No. You know, we're the attorneys that go to, go to the court without knowing learning the, the Constitution. Wow. Well, this is what my daddy said. This is what my mama said. We have got to be brilliant. We are the offspring of the Godhead. We must be smarter than anything that ever showed up. And if we're not smart, then we need to be silent. Shut up and look smart. Because life is the, a lot of the rules we have are, are, are don't bear out in everyday life. Every company doesn't work the same way. Every country doesn't work the same way. And that's the uniqueness of God being omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. Omni. I just call him the omnipotent God. Because that is the word. Omnipotent is, you know, I looked up the word. And so, but, but, but we want to be on top and we want to drag everything into our local environment, mm-hmm. our church environment. Yeah. Well, this is what the church is doing. What church? Because right. the church of Jesus Christ did not have buildings when it came into existence. Yeah. It had beings. We were defined by beings. People in whom the new birth was. People in whom Christ was. We didn't have buildings. Sometimes the buildings didn't define us. Nothing didn't define us in that way. But here's something that we don't know. We were defined by us bringing Christ to people's minds. I'm going to say that again because that's a profound thing. We were defined by how we brought Christ, Jesus Christ, to people's minds, which is how... Antioch ended up calling us Christians because we made their community think of Jesus Christ. However disparaging it may or may not have been, we were defined by beings, not buildings. Today we're defined by buildings. How big is your building? How many people would you run it? Well, you wouldn't be running them because you're not rearing them. Because we're just going to run a number or we're going to rear a substance. We're a being. So we, the first thing we need to know, we were defined by being. How many people think of Jesus Christ positively and negatively? How many people want to be changed by him? And how many people want to change him? See, these are constitutional issues. Remember, we said constitutions started where? With the being. And institutions start where? With the thing people produce or being produced. We were constitutional. Christianity is a constitution. It's constitutional. This is the code of our constitution. What is our constitution? We are born of God. We are the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We are filled with the substance of Almighty God. We are 
constitutional because before we were a construction, a building, we were a being. And beings are defined by their constitution. And when you study constitution, as, as the human side instead of the paper side, you find out that that's why we have problems with Christianity. See, because God never, I said, I tell y'all all the time, but God never calls us Christians. Right. Jesus never called us a Christian. Right. He called us the elect. We are the elect of God, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before God said, let there be, and oops, that is, we were in Christ. That's why we're credited with his creatorship. We're credited with his sovereignty. We're credited with his redemption because anything that comes from the father, that offspring is born with constitution. Because it's the seed that takes the preeminence. You know, the seed is the spirit. The male sperm is where you get the spirit. It's also how you get the blood. So when we think of now, this is all in scripture. This is before we had science and class and chemical, they're all proving it now. So Christians are constitutional. Churches are institutional. They're fighting for the church. It's all about the church. It's about how you behave in the church. It's about, but Christians, the elect is 100% the constitution of the Godhead. And that is what this is about. So when you want to talk about legalism, this is not, first of all, law predates us, and we talked about in our session, do you remember, about the law of the mortal versus God's law for immortals? Well, yes. 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 And, and I need you to recognize that God's law for mortals is Moses' law, and it's meant to kill the flesh. Yes. Well, That's why he said, you know, the minute the law came, I died. Because Moses' law is meant to kill the flesh, and it's meant to kill the flesh because it's the eternal law, law imposed on a mortal world. They can't do it. The law, so when we say, well, you know, Christ has made us free from the curse of the law, we need to understand he did not free you to become lawless. He upgraded you to the law and the judicial and legal system of his immortal being. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm. Y'all like that? Yeah. Yeah. So when we took on Psalm 82, that is what I had in mind. And when you look at Psalm 82, I don't know how many of you have gone through it, but I've read it and we'll go through it again and again because we need to look at it. But I just want you to see Psalm 82. And that is, I chose this psalm because I studied it for years and years and years, and it blew my mind, and it took a long time for me to accept it. Now, Jesus quotes, as God's Messiah and prophet, he quotes Psalm 82. And you're going to understand why I said we come under the law and the governance of immortals. We are the, first, the real immortal beings. He says, a psalm of Asaph, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. You should research all these terms. And then he says what he's doing. He said, how long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? That's what the church is. So in our immortal status, we are accepting the persons of the wicked immortals. Oh, my God. 
fallen angel. He said, because we're supposed to defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and the needy, deliver the poor and needy, rid them out of the land of the hand of the wicked, or what rescue them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. Now think about that. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. So when Eden, has, Eden happened, God threw us in outer darkness. He took us out of his word. Now this is him. And every fallen angel took an orbit. How do I know that? Because Deborah talked about the angels fighting from their courses in heaven. So God had his courses. And they had theirs, so they all had that, which is why it's very uh, important that we pull down principalities because they have their own spheres, realms, orbits, etc. All right. I have said, Jesus quotes this about Israel. I have said, ye are God, and all of you are children of the Most High. When you're an offspring of the Godhead, it's like you're the offspring of your mama and your daddy. But ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. I'm going to do a broadcast on um, what we call the framework of context. Because, see, we don't understand Scripture because we don't have the framework of context. Like, the number one thing we as God's children must remember is that we were in Christ before the foundation, not even the world, but before the foundation of the world. The only thing older than us is wisdom, lady wisdom. That's the only thing. She said, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before ever the primordial earth existed. So the context. So when people walk around and say, you all act like you all of that. Yeah, but we all of that. Now, there are literally gazillion trillions of us, but we are all on that because he said we're children of the Most High. Right. See, being children of God and children of the Most High is a little bit different. The High is God. So we were in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's constitution. Wow. That's not congregation. We are constitutional. And we are the only, we brought from the only seed that God the Father ever released from his being directly. God released one seed, Jesus Christ. One. One begotten seed. Now, he had all of these angels. Think about it. I want you to meditate on that. That thing is, think about it. I want you to let that thing saturate in your brain. Almighty God, who has innumerable company of angels, citizens of all kinds, all kinds of powers, all kinds of energy, and he released one seed. One reproducible seed. That's the gospel, guys. The gospel is not about your long skirt and your short skirt and your drugs and whatnot. The reason only mortals do those things, so mortals have to fight them because when you read Enoch, Enoch invented all of that. But we were in Christ. So he released this one seed. Can I just go here for just a second? It is a scientific fact that a man is born with all the sperm he'll ever need in a lifetime, and within that sperm, every one of them born with all the sperm they'll need in a lifetime. Do you understand why it's important that we accept we were in Christ? 
So when God released Jesus, he dumped all of his reproductivity in Jesus Christ. That's and we're walking around slumming with devils, fighting to get drunk, fighting to become their transit system, fighting. So, one, so that's why he said until, until we came along, Jesus was the only begotten. Because God pulled nothing out, out no, no other being that he pulled out of his reproductive self. Everything else came out of his hand, handiwork. So there's handmade, man-made, Christ-born. So, so what is the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about that, and, and, and this is social media, I need you all to listen and share this. Share it with your kids. You keep wanting, wanting your kids to get saved by going to church. No, they need to go and be reunited with the new creation spirit that was in them before the foundation of the world. That's the new birth. The new birth is the switch out. Yeah, yeah. So, oh one, so I'm going to keep saying, baby, I, you know, something, somebody in heaven, God is writing this thing in creation right now because you need to understand Everything in the world is about inclusionism because Satan was excluded from God's reproductive self. He was not in Christ. He was made by Christ and then defeated by Christ. We are superior because of our material, not because of our morals. Because our morals don't always get up there. But the material is there. The capacity, because until you are joined again in Jesus Christ, you have no legal ground. Talk about us being legalistic. We have no legal ground to resist Satan. There is no legal ground outside of the new birth. Because all of God said he shut everybody up under sin. Everything was given to him. And he kept one, one, one genetic line. One. Say one. Jacob. He went from from Seth, Enoch. Now you know we have all all that line. We have Noah, all that line. We come down to Abraham, and Abraham marked the promise. Because Abraham is given something that none, none of the rest of the line from Seth ever had. And that is heaven's most potent commodity, power, and that's faith. The reason Abraham was given faith is because that's the only way for us to magnify our new creation that was brought by the Holy Ghost is by faith. And faith is the embryo of hope. So just like the embryo in your Abraham was the one, because remember, God split. So first, he's got, the first split is that which is the seed of Adam versus the seed of Satan. Cain was the seed of Satan. So he had to do that split. So then he goes and he splits those that were reproduced and, and geneticized by the fallen angels and those that weren't. We found out there's only eight souls. Okay? So that's Noah's Ark, eight souls. Eight souls did not have the fallen angels of genes genetic pattern in them. Although Ham did it. 
because God always has one for the devil. Somebody could write a movie that says, don't forget the one for the devil. Oh, my God. Amen. <laughs> the devil gets one. One-third of the angels, one angel of all the rest, one-third of the angels. We come all the way down the line. Thank you. We get So we got Adam, um, Cain, and Abel. They're not, they, they not even in the lineage because that, that's how much the world changed. Cain and Abel's lineage is no longer attached to humanity. That's how it was planned. But anyway, so, and we come down. Now we got Noah, three sons, Ham, one for the devil. We got Abraham and his children, one for the devil. Because if darkness exists, you have to get to something to run with. And you need the darkness to prove choice. Free will is useless with no option. You just said three things. Y'all want me to sip? I'm going to sip some water let you all. Y'all can marinate and take and cogitate and incubate. Okay. All the people in the back. <laughs> Not you, though. No, but that's just because I'm in the front. <laughs> okay, so. Because we're always taught that there's evil in the world because, you know, God, like, can't get a grip on it. Or uh, there's just this bad, bad devil. Not that there's evil in the world so that free will can exist and people have a choice. Because we want the concept of free will, but we don't want the realities and the consequences of free will. We don't. And let's talk about choice. But free will is not to give you a choice to choose devils. You already belong to them. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. Free will is the choice to choose God. Yeah. John, 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 John 3. John 3. See, you all have been told that free will, that God and Jesus are, uh, that God and Satan are, are equal. Yeah. You know, equal powers on the same scale. No, no. No, no. Satan's created. God created him. He had a context. He said, I bet you, this is real, I bet you that people would choose me over you. Well, he had already won that in heaven. Remember, Revelation 12 says what? There was war in heaven, and then it tells you why. We keep trying to tell people there won't be war. No, I don't know why there's war in heaven. Right. Come on. Right. Yeah. And everything in the Bible says God's still warring. He's not warring for his world now. He's warring for this one. He's warring for Christ's seed, the elect. So when you think, when, when Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, where's free will? The choice is not whether or not you reject or accept Jesus Christ and, 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 you, and you can choose the consequences. The default is Satan. Satan is the default church choice because he's your native choice, because he is the offspring of Adam. He is your native choice. The choice that God is talking about is that you can choose to have divine intervention or most high intervention to rescue you, to yank you out of that line and give you a hope at eternal life. Because eternal doom was settled in the garden. 
All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. Adam literally sold his parentage, his paternal parentage, to the serpent. And every sperm in him, just like if you as a male today get a disease, I ask you, you get a disease, you get AIDS, you get, you know, whatever, will your sperm be free? If you die, does your, I mean, how, how long will your sperm stay alive? As much as they tell us it's, 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 it's a given, you eat poison, will your sperm be poisoned? That's the, that's the technology of our theology. And we don't teach you the technology, so you fumble around and fumble around with our theology. So when Adam fell and Satan entered him, because God exited him, Satan got what he wanted, and he knew it. Now, here's the interesting thing. There's no marriage in heaven. Is that right? If there's no marriage in heaven, how did Satan know reproduction was going to happen since Adam and Eve have yet to reproduce? Anybody want to take a stab at But how would they know that? They hadn't reproduced. He could have, but how, having a different body doesn't mean he couldn't have done that and say, well, okay, maybe, they, but how did he know how they would reproduce? Huh? Jesus had Jesus not an equation. He over there running the, the, the contest and he. He watched the animals. And he knew that if the animals could copulate and reproduce, how much more human? Because you remember, their, their gestation periods are very short. And what, that's why it took him a while to do it. So he, he figures, okay, so i got to get to this woman. If I get to the woman, I can get to the man. I can get in that sperm. Because he understands the law. See, we keep acting like Satan was born on earth. He was not. We treat him like he's born on earth. He was not. We treat him like he was born Satan. He was not. He was born anointed cherub. So he knows God's, like this is legalism to us. To Satan, it's nationality. It's nativity. It's the nature of their citizens. God doesn't have a big Bible up in heaven. He doesn't need it because he has he said, but he tells you how he did it. I will write my what? Where? And and in your and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and do it. So that tells you that it is not paper. It's geneticism. So Satan knows how he was made. And he also knows how he fell. And he knows the difference between how he came into existence and how he ended up. He understands the, the processes of God's realm, how they keep each other alive. When God, see, that's why you, when I start teaching the apocalyptic elect, I would love for you to just kind of get with me because he understood. When God was, man, was done with Satan, he said, I'm pulling fire out of the midst of you. 
Everybody in God's realm is born with self-regenerating power. Your spirit is supposed to be a regenerator, just like it regenerates him. In order to stop him, he had to pull his power. So he knows Adam better than Adam knows that. Because he knows Adam's creator. And he knows that Adam is more like Jesus than even he and all of the angels were. So he understands that Adam is a major coup. When he turns a Christian, that's a major coup. A real born again, that's a coup. Because he gets back into the, because we have the power back. We have. That's what the new birth is. You get the, you know? And you don't think that getting us to grovel and slum with him is not a deliberate tactic to get you to say yes to anything that he knows transmits life. See, the Bible says life, but we call it energy. We call it fuel. We call it power. And he knows that if he can get you to let him in, he can ride again until he siphons you off. Because the law of sin and death makes every one of us that he reconverts a time, a, a time, what do you call it, a drain. It, the law of sin and death is going to shut down. Elijah, because I'm telling you, I don't have to preach outside this Bible. We haven't learned it. Can we talk about it? Elijah. And, and, and James said he was a light man like us. But when he said it wasn't going to rain, it wasn't going to rain. When he said that there was going to be, that he wasn't going to jail, he wasn't going to jail. When he said he wanted to teleport, he teleported. The man said every time we come to where you are, you disappear. We don't know where you are. We, Elijah was so upgraded by the, 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 the prototype, not really the archetype, the prototype of the new creation that God had to take him to heaven. That's how much him exercising the powers and the dominion of God deauthorized Satan's dominion on him. God had to, he couldn't go to hell. He couldn't see death. He had nothing how to kill death. But here, Satan needs you to fear death because he is, he is the origin of death. Elijah got to the point, and you can see the difference between Elijah and Elisha. The Bible said that Enoch turned so much into God, he couldn't stay in the planet. Enoch ruled all the fallen angels, and he was so much above them that death couldn't touch him. That is why Jesus coming to die is a big deal to let us know it was all about us. Because in God's realm, in his, in the realm of life, they don't die. Ooh. Wow. Elijah worked that thing. Elisha's body. Jeez. Now, he had to die. Yeah. Why? Because he killed those 42 kids. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So he had to die. Right. That's 42 destinies he took out. Right. And so even though he had to die, he had been in the grave a good little while. Raiders came to take this, and, and they dropped the dead body on his bones. But see, you won't know that until you get through this, because all of it comes. This is the this is the prep test. 
Because you'll get to a point that when you say, well, Dr. Price, I don't see that. You don't have to see it because I've become it. But I had to learn this and master this to release those revelations. Y'all going to hear me? So when you all, you could. (laughs) 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 This is why when they talk about legalistic, are you kidding me? I am moving by the laws of the immortal world. I am an immortal being, and I have to be faithful to that if I want to keep my power. I can't play with my power with you. I'm not slumming with devil to trade down. I trade it up. I know I trade it up to the right God. I can talk to you. She can tell you some of the things that God has done, and I'm just learning. I'm brand new. I'm in learning class. She can tell you some of the things that God has. He said, the, oh, come on, Jesus, God. <clears throat> Hit that bell. <laughs> he says, the glory, hear me. Somebody's got to hear why Satan wants to take us out. Why he needs trust God. Because new creation, baby, Jesus said, is still more than the best Old Testament saint we ever had. He said, greater is he who is least in the kingdom of God, then John the Baptist, who was greater than all men. So what was he talking about? Doctrine? No. Theology? No. The power that worketh in us. We bring out the power of the ages to come. And as long as he releases the church, we can flourish. So what did Biden say? He said, I'm coming down on the churches. Did he say that? Because they have lined up fallen angels from from the, uh, the, what do you call it, the spiritual realm ready to come in to replace humanity. You cannot be at the top and not have an enemy. It's useless to be at the top if you don't have one. God had to create an enemy for himself because he wanted people to want him for their, of their own free will. So when you look at, Paul said, but the power that will be revealed in us. Everything, that's why I know these people aren't teaching Bible. I'm like, everything's been around. It's like, uh-uh, all things are yours. The power that works in you. The power. Yes, right. And so if we change that to power pack, mm-hmm. then you understand. Mm-hmm. And we're all excited that somebody gets slain in the spirit. That is our claim to fame of the power that works in us. I'm almost there. I just want you to know, Isaiah 44 says, you are my messengers, that I am God. God can only be revealed as God by those in whom he dwells. That's why it was always the prophets, because he put his spirit in prophets in a different way. He says that I am God. And I want you to know that I, when I deal with Jesus, and I'm telling you, this is true. I'm going to give you some secret tidbits. You want them? Yes. I think they are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know I deal with Jesus as I am his offspring. But I also deal with him as I am his sibling. I am his handiwork. I'm telling you, I talk to Wait a minute, God, I'm supposed to have a power over this. Why don't I have power over this? Yeah. Do you realize that's why the enemy sat on me so long? Yeah. 
Because you realize how many of me God is going to make? And that we, because the, the law of the immortal realm is that the, the offspring of the Godhead outranks every devil, including Satan. We outrank him. That's why he doesn't want us to rank. But we don't just outrank him on paper. We don't outrank him by legislation. We outrank him by procreation. But you see, if you don't get trained, that's why we, we, I mean, we put so much emphasis on stop playing his game, stop speaking his narrative, stop playing, working his playbook, and begin to move over there with God. Can you imagine an angel saying, but I don't know, you know, I mean, I would be to help you, but, uh, you know, Satan sounded pretty good over there. We don't do that. You have got to stop talking his narrative. You've got to stop playing his book. You're going to have to stop thinking he has a right to outdo you and outsmart you. The Bible says in Isaiah that God gives his people, his children, the power to outwit the enemy. But you have to decide that you want to put your, when she talked about it earlier, you want to put your flesh, not just through the test, but also through the purge. Jesus said the prison of this world came, and he got nothing in me. You're going to have to get everything Satan out of you. And you're going to have to become adamant about your belief system and adamant about it because the angels are standing by waiting to work with the sons and daughters of God. Creation needs us to step it up. I need you to hear me because I want you to recognize that God is God. Why is he letting this happen? Because God is like, I'm not counting you all any longer. I did some marvelous things. I gave you my son, and I gave you blood. We still don't know. All of us, we think about blood is what in our veins, but there's something in creation about blood that rocks worlds. We have to dig into what blood means to the Almighty. Because Jesus did not take red stuff to heaven to put it on an altar. So what did he take? And why did it need to go on the altar of God? Right. And because he put it on the altar of God, he legitimized the birth, the emergence of a new species. Species are defined by blood. That is why Israel's bloodline, Abraham's bloodline is important. And see, we are caught up in, in well, you know, Abraham the father of the Jews. Abraham the father of many nations. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he my daddy too. And we got caught up, yeah, but you know, no. Abraham is the father of many nations. He's the father of the, of the Esau's kids, Keturah's son, Isaac's seed. So that means if, that God has given all nations the potential of faith to receive his son when he comes. So it's not about Sinai. The Jews didn't become Jews to Sinai. Right. Up until that, they were the children of Israel, Jacob's son. See, identity, the key. The key to destiny. You will not stand beyond what you understand. You cannot fight for what you don't understand. You can't believe it. So when you're facing, like when, when people are looking at us, yeah, but you know, I mean, it looks like this is going to happen. It won't go that way. And it won't go that way simply because Alpha said no. 
and Omega said, okay. It is not that. All that in-between stuff is natural. That is working well after well and all of those kinds of things. I have to stay on the Word because my power is in the Word, the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost only backs Jesus. The Bible says that he will take up what is mine and show it unto you. The Spirit and the Word agree. Are you all okay with this? So when I'm telling you all of this stuff and I'm looking at you and I'm like, you yielding to that devil? It's not a matter of God. Well, it's not a religious thing that we're doing. We don't, I don't religiously avoid Satan. I don't have a, a he created religion. I'm redeemed. We're the redeemed nation of the Lord Jesus Christ because in God's world there is no religion. No religion. There's the elect who are born of his constitution. But there is no religion. We don't have to light candles in heaven. <laughs> Jesus is the light of the world. So what are we going to do with a candle? Candles is going to be like, I don't know why you're wasting my time. He's going to throw me in the fire. <laughs> we don't have to worry about energy and fuel in heaven. It talks about the seraphim moving through the air. We talk about the, the cherubim bringing God. Jesus riding on cherubim. We're all excited that we got a luxury car. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we so excited. That's not a thing. So in God's realm, that's why it was difficult when Paul said, I saw things unlawful to, to utter. Why was he saying that? He said because Paul had to bring back this era and beyond. He had to bring back a world where energy wasn't in an engine because every being was its own engine. Jesus was walking on water in a storm as fallen as. The winds are not knocking them down. I can imagine the wind saying, boy, if I could, <laughs> I'd drown you right now if I could. He's walking on water. He, Jesus has thousands of people who are hungry. He's not saying go and, and get something from the restaurant. He said make them sit down. Okay. He's serving being people out of his being. Y'all are hearing me. Yes. Because in God's realm, you know, I just want to weep for the joy of God and the goodness of God. Jesus. Oh, my God. We are so stumbling. We are so trashing. When it's in us. Every being is self-sustaining. If it was just, we're self-sustaining, but we're not regenerated. We're not regenerative. We're just self-sustaining. So everything they put out is immediately replenished. Everything they put out is immediately replenished. There is no gap. There's no lack. There's no void. That's where I'm going. Those angels never said, give me a snack. Manoah tried to feed an angel. He said, just put it on the, put it on the altar, hit it, and send it up to God. I'll send the fragrance of the gift up. But I don't need your dead meat. I love this man. What in my soul? But my love for Christ is not vain, and it's not hopeless. I could, I mean, I understood why Paul was like, I, it's, I don't know if I'm gonna go or stay because I'm gonna tell you where I've been. This ain't it. <laughs> and here, he didn't have what we have, and I can tell you, this is not it. But it is our time 
to push forward, to become that. You know, when you talk about wanting to be free, you have the greatest incentive in the world. You shouldn't have ever been enslavable. It's, it's not in you. you had to, a, a devil had to come on you and in you to enslave you. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So he had to come through the, through the veil of your flesh because you stepped out of the veil of Christ's flesh. We're powerful people. We are his problem. We're God's problem. But we're his problem. And if we could do this 2.5 million times in the planet, the earth is the Lord's. So when you walk around, like, no, I'm sorry, I just can't. No, no. Stop giving into Satan's mind. You are living his prototype for his doomed family. We need to move up into the archetype because God is the archetype. Prototypes come from an archetype. We are the divine architecture of the almighty multiplied exponentially. How y'all doing on social media? How they doing? Y'all all right? Oh, yeah. yeah that's good. She said, let's just <laughs> <laughs> pull myself together. I know that's Okay, Thomasina said, I receive this in Jesus' name. I receive this somebody else. <laughs> I know it, right? Woo! Okay, let's see. Um, a lot of quotes. <laughs> Ma'am, this too much. Derek, <laughs> thank you, Derek. This is, <laughs> Ashley, that's funny. Woo! Oh, yes, I'm okay with what you're saying. It's helping me. That's Denise. Mm. Okay, let's see. Thank God. Oh, my goodness. We had Pastor tuning in from India today. Oh, that's my friend. We go back a long way. Yes, yes, yes. Let's see here. Um, everybody is Jesus, say it, yes, hallelujah. He come the word hallelujah. Somebody said, Louise said, I'm full. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paul said, come on and teach. Oh, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Got uh, the, the Flatline Brothers. Yeah, Flatline and Flatline Tag Team Ministry happening. Yeah. Uh, come on now. That is good. You are on point. Oh, an apostle is supposed to reproduce the reconstituted offspring of the gospel. We are to reconstitute by the word of God. I know what I'm going after. Mm-hmm. And I'm not looking for you uh, to fight. That's why uh, we have all these ridiculous discussions. I don't want to have these discussions. Are you kidding? I'm being and I'm generating being while you're trying to theologize. I think Derek said, I'm not all right. <laughs> but I'm going to be all right. I want to give, a, you know, we have a few minutes. I'm going to give a few of you opportunity to share or question. We might as well do it while we're still moving. Like fire. Yeah, oh, definitely. Let me read this. Like Can that. I read this? <laughs> this viewer said, I fell asleep listening to an apocalyptic broadcast last night and I woke up this morning mad at the devil and ready to go to war for God. <laughs> Come on. We're going to war. Now, when we think about this, now I just spent an amount, an enormous amount of time giving you all of the cases. I gave you case, I gave you precedent, I gave you model, I gave you prophecy, I gave you prototype, archetype. We rule this, and we need to stop being separate, and we need to say what we want. We rule this. We rule it. 
God said, whatever you remit is remitted. Why do you think that they're shutting out the president? Why do you think they're shutting out people like me? Because Satan knows he cannot hold the line. When the sons and daughters of the living God, the apocalyptic offspring of God, have said otherwise. I need you all to stop walking around being fatalistic about this. This is not a fatality. I'm telling you, we are not of the fatal. This is not a fatality. We are God's vitality. Sugar man, Jesus. You know, he's my honey man. I'd be loving on this guy because he's a good God. And we, what he did, this is miraculous stuff. We're miracles. Who you have? A quote online, okay, uh, Prophet Andrea said, I feel like screaming right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, we got this if we will exercise it. We don't will power. We yield it. And I need us to stop yielding power and to get to will. That's God's will concerning us. Sugar fire. That's right. That's right. My honey man. I love him. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, I had a question regarding children of God and children of the most. Can you expound on that, the difference? Because all, well, first of all, children of the Most High would also speak to the mortal realm, all of his invisible citizens. Mm -hmm. But God made everybody, but not everybody was in Christ Mm -hmm. before the foundation of the world. Uh See, everybody was in God because God made everything. But God had this set-aside group called the elect that he was upgrading to that. To their realm. For example, when you read, we talked about last week, Daniel 7, where he says, but the kingdom will be given to the saints of the people. To the, excuse me, let me reverse that. The people of the saints of God. Well, if we are the saints, then who are those? And vice versa, because he's talking about those principalities and powers. They, one, when I get to do one day, I'm going to finish this book called uh, God's Unseen Powers. One day, y'all pray for me. Because I want them to finish it so we understand that not just the hierarchy of, of God's eternal world, but understanding that as this is just like I have a people embodied in me, all the way up the line, it's the same thing. And all those princes, Michael had a people embodied in him called Israel. This is uh, Dr. Price, thank you so much. Um, I have a question for what you walked us through today. And when we look at the first Corinthians 15, where it's talking about the first Adam and the last Adam, and it describes the first Adam as living soul, mm-hmm. but the last Adam as life-giving spirit. Mm-hmm. We can see there in that context the power packs that you are referring to. And then if that is correct, um, how do we also link that and apply that to what you've been talking to us about the prophetic as a science? Well, the reason that the prophetic is a science is, in terms of my understanding is because it's not just the art of it working. It is the product that emerged from that art or its work. So, for example, words become genes. Genes become being. Gene becomes the DNA, okay? Words, that God builds by his words, so that's technical, as opposed to just manual or hammer. God builds by his word. God inseminates by his word. He says inject by his word. He tears down by his word. So the fact that there's a technology to this means that there are technicals that happen when we master his technique, which is, for us, mostly saying, 
believing and saying and saying what we believe and continuing to say it. See, in this whole ordeal, this is the hardest test for a real prophet. Either God spoke to me once or he never has. That's where I'm at. If he has spoke to me. Well, you know, prophets can miss it. Yeah, prophets can miss it, but a prophets who miss it know they miss it. Yeah. Because when you get to, to the bottom of it, they'll say, you know, God really never did say it. I just picked it up. I just heard it. It was, it was the instinct. It was a sense. I, was I don't sense it. If I'm not sure, they'll tell you. I'll tell you. Now, listen, I'm pulling this, but I don't know if it's coming from my mantle, if it's coming from my office, if it's coming from my, my, uh, my reserve, my database, or is it coming out of the mouth of God? Because there are things that God will say that will supersede my everyday operation and occupation of this office. Did that help you at all? Okay. Yeah, I knew you weren't going to get out of here, but I said, come on. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I just want to say, hey, I, I, I'm bad. I mean, this is the reason why you buy a pop. I don't know about anybody else, but just between me and you, that's the reason. I'm not there, Pop. All right, y'all. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I know. But um, since we're talking about seed and reproduction, um, in my downtime, uh, I uh, here lately uh, I've been like on social media, or let's say like this, in the prophetic clubhouse, and just kind of listening to what's what's being spoken in the prophetic community. And so. Um, one of the largest, one of the biggest themes right now, averaging of all the words that's been going out. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the Trump words that's going out, and then we have the revival word. But out of all of probably the largest theme, a prophetic word that's being spoken by a lot of prophets at this time is that God in 2021 and in on beyond is starting to form kingdom marriages. Now, I know what you feel about this and how you think, but I'm asking from this is a very large theme of work that's been going out here lately. I'm talking about as up to date. There's a lot of prophets saying that God is forming kingdom marriages. And with you being my apostle, I just want to ask you, what do you think about that particular word that's going out as opposed to what's to come? My initial response to that is a very good question. My initial response to that is what about the marriages that he's forming is different about the marriages that exist and that he's formed. So again, things have to play out in the field of life. So what is he saying? Now what would make these marriages kingdom as opposed to all of these other we got some marriages, people married 30, 40, 50, 60 years, good marriage, producing for God. They've been in ministry, man, they've built men. So what is the difference? Okay, so what to me, it has been my experience. Number one, so I'm going to go on record to say that. God marries to get fruit and seed and to keep us from sleeping with them. <laughs> he says, marriage is honorable and the bed under fire. But fornicated and hormones God will judge. Is that right? Adults and So God, marriage is a utility for God. Not a priority. Because God... Now, and so, and, and, and I'm saying this because you know how things lie with Dr. Price is against marriage? I'm against bad marriage. I'm going to be against dumb marriage forever. I'm going to...